Hello and Happy New Year! Before we get into the show, I have a little reminder for you. As you may already know, the Brazilian Report is funded by subscriptions and support from loyal readers. Besides subscribing to our website and getting exclusive daily content on Brazil and Latin America, you can also treat our staff to one to five cups of coffee a month. In return, you get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Erwin Menez, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Kars Vresvik, Elas Der Thousand, Peter Abrahamson, Michael Fryer, Miller Renacido, Jim Awofadeju, David Dixon, Felipe Saito, José Rosi Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Innes, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftar, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, and Alant, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. If you are like them and believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. If you cannot make a monthly commitment, you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then to give us the energy boost we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. We appreciate all your support. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. So this is how it ends. The presidency of Jair Messias Bolsonaro, rooted from the beginning in anger, division, and conspiracy mongering, has come to a close. During his inaugural speech, new president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva painted a scorched earth picture of the government he takes over from pelos quatro anos de um governo de destruição nacional cujo legado a história jamais perdoará repeatedly using words such as destruction disorganization dilapidation and ruin to describe the legacy he inherits the president essentially promised to do his best to undo four years of Bolsonaro, kicking off his term with hundreds of decrees reversing many of the actions Bolsonaro took while in office. But reversing Bolsonaro's work would take a lot of effort. And Lula, we also have to juggle that with the myriad other challenges facing him. This week, we want to talk about Lula's first steps back into the presidency and what he will have to face to succeed. After all, how Brazilians look back on him in the future will largely depend on his failure or success in his third spell as president. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. From his new administration's motto, unity and reconstruction. To his speeches on Sunday, President Lula repeatedly accused Bolsonaro of dismantling the Brazilian state apparatus and leaving a scorched earth scenario. 
700 mil brasileiros e brasileiras mortos pelo Covid-19, 125 milhões sofrendo algum grau de insegurança alimentar de moderada muito grave e 33 milhões passando fome. C.D. Silva is our Brasilia correspondent and he covered the Bolsonaro administration and the Lula administration up close. C.D., Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Gustavo. Today, Lula spent the years during his first spell as president bashing the legacy he inherited from Fernando Henrique Cardoso. And that was despite Cardoso, his center-right predecessor, enacting many necessary reforms and modernizing the Brazilian state in multiple ways. So it was only to be expected that he would go after Bolsonaro's jugular. But how accurate was Lula? when telling lawmakers and voters that the far-right former president essentially wrecked the Brazilian state. Lula's words were not a partisan exaggeration. While president, Bolsonaro and his allies worked to undermine democracy in Brazil and even formally challenge the election results. His administration institutionalized the so-called secret budget, a system of opaque budgetary grants that gives lawmakers influence over the federal purse as a reward for legislative support. In three areas, however, the disaster of the Bolsonaro administration is more visible and measurable. Deforestation, education, and vaccination. Let's begin with the environment, because that was actually one of the main legacies of the first Lula administration, right? Exactly. Uh, deforestation in the Amazon increased in the first three years of the Bolsonaro administration, while it fell slightly in the period from August 2021 to July 2022, it was still the second largest deforestation rate of any 12-month stint in almost 15 years. Both before and after taking office, Bolsonaro was vocally friendly to poachers and illegal mining in the Amazon. He repeatedly said that the rainforest contains the entire periodic table of elements, suggesting that they should be profited from. In March last year, his house whip, Congressman Ricardo Barros, sought to fast-track a bill that would allow mining on indigenous lands. The move was successful, but the bill stalled after large protests in Brazil. And what about the state of environmental institutions? The Bolsonaro administration also worked to undermine environmental agencies. For example, in late 2021, 98% of notices of environmental fines were suspended. The government itself estimated it would lose over 16 billion reais, that's $3 billion, by canceling several thousand environmental fines imposed from 2018 to 2019. Back in May, the Brazilian report showed that tens of thousands of environmental fines were set to expire last year. Data from protection agencies shows that the government would need 10 times more workers to properly enforce environmental controls. During the Bolsonaro administration, the government used the military to lead law and order operations in the Amazon. Now, before they would only support these operations, how significant was that change? 
Several reports show that the military refused to participate in the destruction of machinery used for deforestation and even barred environmental agents from doing so. Destroying machinery used for environmental crimes is a way of making it costlier for people and companies to break law. But agricultural and mining lobbies strongly opposed the practice and Jair Bolsonaro criticized it. Last year, the Amazonian state of Rondonia forbade the destruction of such machines with a law deemed unconstitutional by the Federal Prosecutor's Office. And what does Lula bring to the table in regard to environmental policies? Because he was a rock star at last year's COP27 climate summit. And I mean, the world is expecting a lot from him. I think it is safe to say that the most ambitious part of Lula's inaugural speech was his environmental agenda. He committed to seeking zero deforestation in the Amazon, making Brazil's energy matrix net zero, and implementing low-carbon agriculture, reinforcing many of his campaign promises. And the world is expecting a lot from him. Bolsonaro's disastrous record on the environment led Norway's environment minister to publicly declare before the election that his country was ready to resume payments to the Amazon Fund, which finances sustainable development initiatives, if there was a change of government in the October's elections. In one of his day one decrees, President Lula reestablished the Amazon Fund. The fund had been frozen during the Bolsonaro years. The president, Frank Walter Steiner of Germany, one of the fund's main sponsors, announced that 35 million euros will be cleared as an immediate token of cooperation with Brazil. So there, besides day one decrees, we can mention a new outlook to the cabinet, right? I mean, more than just Marina Silva as environment minister. Marina is, of course, a bona fide environmental activist who helped Brazil slash deforestation rates in the 2000s. But what else caught your attention? Lula created the Indigenous People's Ministry and named Sonia Guajajara, a congresswoman elect and indigenous leader, to the position. She is the first female indigenous person in a cabinet position. Lula said indigenous peoples need to have their lands demarcated and free from the threats of illegal and predatory economic activities, a position very different from Bolsonaro's. The new president called indigenous peoples the, quote, guardians of the Amazon rainforest, as deforestation rates are much lower on their lands. I mean, it's important to say that Bolsonaro had promised not to demarcate any single square meter of indigenous land, and he kept that promise. But today, let's pivot to education now which is another area around which Lula bashed Bolsonaro for the state in which he left things. Lula said the previous government has closed the year without purchasing textbooks for the 2023 school year. What is the state of play there? So a congressional report approved late last year criticized the education ministry for its, quote, technical ineptitude, aversion to dialogue, and improvisation. The education budget dropped every year in President Bolsonaro's term to below allocations given in 2015. And considering inflation, things get even more dire. Yes. 
Reading and math skills of Brazilian school children dropped in the Bolsonaro years, according to official data. A lot of that is due to schools being closed for several months because of the pandemic, as well as a total lack of federal coordination. In 2020, Brazil was the country where schools were closed the longest due to the pandemic, among those surveyed by the OECD. Schools remained shut for almost 180 days that year in Brazil, compared to the OECD average of 44 days. Bolsonaro actually uses that as an argument in his favor, highlighting that he was always a vocal opponent of closing schools and closing businesses. That's correct. Uh, A COVID and vaccine denialist, Bolsonaro also did nothing to open schools safely, and he opposed efforts to facilitate distance learning. And besides COVID, what else hampered the development of educational policies in Brazil over the past four years? So opposition in Congress approved a bill in 2021 with a $3.5 reais, that's $670 million, uh, to help public school students and teachers pay internet bills in order for them to be able to study at home. President Bolsonaro vetoed the bill And after Congress overrode the veto, his administration appealed to the Supreme Court in order to not pay for the program. The Bolsonaro administration also failed to adjust school meal budgets for inflation, which has kept school children hungry and hindered their ability to learn. And despite the smaller budgets, the education ministry was not able to spend the money it was allocated failing to spend some tens of billions of dollars throughout Bolsonaro's term. When we look at Lula's day one moves regarding education, is there anything we should pay attention to? Yes, so Lula issued a decree on Sunday revoking measures by the Bolsonaro government that segregated education for people with disabilities. According to the transition cabinet, the measure seeks to promote inclusive education for children, young people, and adults. In September 2020, Bolsonaro encouraged the creation of specialized schools and classes for people with disabilities. The decree, however, was suspended by the Supreme Court in December of that year. A Supreme Court justice stated that the norm weakens the imperative of inclusion. In January 2021, when talking to supporters, then-President Bolsonaro said that inclusive education, which means including disabled students in the same classroom, quote-unquote, levels the bottom. At the time, Bolsonaro's measure was the target of criticism from education experts who saw a setback. The decree opened space for the return of the so-called special schools and was described as segregationist. Today we have many matters to discuss, so I want to move on to healthcare. Lula referred to the Bolsonaro administration as a, quote, denialist government that is responsible for a, quote, genocide during the COVID crisis. Lula also said that from now on, those who committed pandemic crimes will be held to account. For people who did not follow the pandemic in Brazil, what did he mean by that? Bolsonaro sought to delay vaccine purchases for adults, teenagers, and children, and went against scientific consensus at nearly every turn. He spread misinformation about mask use, sowed distrust in vaccines, discouraged any form of social distancing or social isolation. 
The Brazilian report revealed in 2020 that public servants felt pressured into not wearing masks within government buildings out of fear of being seen as enemies of the government. At one point, the Esplanade of Ministries here in Brasilia was a major COVID hub in proportion to the number of people working there. In 2021, a Senate committee investigated the government's pandemic response and proposed the indictment of 81 individuals and companies for multiple pandemic-related crimes. The list includes multiple counts against Bolsonaro, including for crimes against humanity. Since the committee published its final report in October 2021, the Federal Prosecutor's Office has done little to further investigations. The office recently sought to dismiss charges against Bolsonaro. Prosecutor General Augusto Aras will stay put at least until September of this year when his current two-year term expires. Is there any indication that his stance on Bolsonaro's pandemic antics will change? Not specifically, but Augusto Aras has made some head-scratching moves. He was named twice for two years' terms as the country's top prosecutor in 2019 and 2021. And for most of his terms, he was a yes-man to Bolsonaro, highly lenient with the government. But in the final moments of last year, that is Bolsonaro's final days in office, Aras took an independent stance. President Bolsonaro granted a presidential pardon to police officers convicted for Brazil's worst prison massacre in 1992. Augusto Aras asked the Supreme Court to strike the pardon down. Aras deemed the pardon unconstitutional as heinous crimes in Brazil cannot be pardoned by the president. The prosecutor general added that the pardon violates Brazil's international commitments to human rights. So if the government decides to crack down on pandemic crimes... That could sway others into adopting a tougher stance, right? Because after all, he's auditioning for a possible third term as prosecutor general. Uh, very opportunistically, yes, that's what many observers anticipate. Speaking of the justice system, one of the highest profile moves on that effort to undo the Bolsonaro era was revoking Bolsonaro decrees that facilitated access to firearms. Can you explain what was done? Sure. So per the Institute of Applied Economic Research, which is a federal agency, over 30 pieces of legislation loosening gun regulations had been issued during the Bolsonaro government. Under the Bolsonaro administration, the number of collector, hunter or sports shooting licenses, known in Brazil by the acronym of CAC, grew fivefold from around 117,000 to over 670,000 licenses. As the Brazilian report showed back in August, regulatory confusion and frail oversight made it much easier for Brazil's organized crime gangs to obtain guns through proper legal channels. The decree published by Lula this Monday defines that CAC's gun permits issued after May 2019 will need to be registered again within 60 days in the system maintained by the Justice Ministry. The Army operates a separate system. Furthermore, new CAC licenses will not be issued until there is a new regulation of firearms. The decree also reduces the number of guns a person can own from 60 to 3. 
When we talk about undoing the Bolsonaro era, this is a central step because gun policies were a staple of the far-right era in Brazil. But today we can say that the writing was on the wall for many of these moves or signals. Now let's talk the economy because that might be where we have more skepticism with this administration. Even though Bolsonaro wrecked fiscal responsibility rules in his pursuit of re-election, he was still seen with kinder eyes by Brazilian investors. Now, Lula and new finance minister Fernando Haddad promised change. What does change mean in that context? Right from the get-go, Lula signed an executive order which excludes major state companies from a privatization program, such as oil and gas giant Petrobras, Brazil's postal service, Correios, and data processing service, Dataprev. The Bolsonaro administration managed to privatize Eletrobras through a follow-on stock offering, but its recurrent privatizations left a lot to be desired for pro-market pundits. In August 2020, then-privatization secretary Salim Matar resigned in reaction to a lack of commitment from the Bolsonaro administration to the privatization agenda. And now this agenda is all but buried, one should expect. Yes, Lula's order interrupts any further privatizations that had been mooted by the Bolsonaro administration, including the Federal Communications Agency, EBC, and the warehouses owned by the national supply company, Conab. And what about the federal spending cap, which Lula said is stupid and promised to revoke? Well, on that, we should add that the spending cap was codified into the Constitution during the Michel Temer administration, Replacing the cap will take a two-round vote in each congressional chamber and a 60% majority in each vote. Market moods soured with the pledge to remove the spending cap as it creates uncertainty around the government's commitment to austerity, but also because such an endeavor would be costly in terms of political capital, and there are several reforms on the docket. Speaking of which, any specifics on the tax reform, which was elected a priority for the new government? Not yet, but we have some ideas of what is to come. Finance Minister Fernando Haddad named Bernard Api as tax reform secretary, and Api is one of the most respected economists in Brazil. He is a co-author of one of the two tax reform proposals currently discussed in Congress, and he has already said they are ready to move forward after three years of debate. Api has argued that a successful tax reform could increase the country's potential GDP by at least 10% over the next 10 to 20 years. But Minister Haddad said that the proposal would only be presented in April due to the congressional calendar. Meaning? Congress is in recess now and will be back in February. Then both houses will elect new leadership. Only then the committees will be filled with their positions. So the government doesn't want to put reform out there months before anything can happen in Congress. Right, and when you say market mood soured, this is really not an overstatement, right? Oh, yes. Um, the stock market closed Monday down by over 3%, with Petrobras shares crashing by 6.4%. 
Meanwhile, the Brazilian currency lost 1.4% against the greenback. Markets want detailed information on how Lula will meet his campaign promises of combining fiscal and social responsibility. Yeah, markets are scrutinizing this administration with a magnifying glass. And I mean, fair or unfair listing promises without explaining their nuts and bolts might not cut it this time around. Exactly. Sadeh, thank you very much for joining me this week and Happy New Year. Thank you, Gustavo, and Happy New Year to you and to our listeners at The Brazilian Report. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and it will help us reach a broader audience. Or better yet, sign up for The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your memberships fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we have been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively. And for our work, we have won or come as finalists in multiple international awards. In order to keep doing that work, we need your support. Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. Explaining Brazil will be back next week. Happy 2023 to you all.